What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight, your Nobia source for thriving with diabetes. And today's episode, we have one of the executive directors as well as co-founders of Diversity in Diabetes. And I'm really excited to sit down with them and talk about how we're able to make shifts in the world of diabetes, how we're able to um, make things more inclusive and be more open and change the narrative around those uh, living with diabetes and who also happen to be uh, a person of color. And I'm sitting down with Casey today, and she and I have been in similar circles, and I actually became exposed to diversity and diabetes through a summit that they put on uh, every year. And I'm really excited to sit down with her and really understand her journey, as well as how diversity and diabetes has grown and its mission and what it hopes to do for the future. And I really feel like it's important that we have nonprofits like this that exist because there's a lot of gaps that we're trying to close in so many different avenues, and it can be hard. Um, and so I think today is a really great episode to just dive into that and see what can we do to support this initiative, especially for someone like myself um, or others, or if you are in support of somebody living with diabetes, it's always really great to really just understand how we can lend our support. So stay tuned and get ready for the episode with Casey from Diversity and Diabetes. Let's do it. You are listening to Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes, and it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset, perspective, and nutrition, together we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk, but for diabetics. E minus the entanglements, though. So let's do it. All right. Hi, Casey. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, you know, trying to fight Texas seasonal changes, but other than that, I cannot complain. Life is good. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Texas, yeah, allergies can get super bad. So Yeah. Yeah. Are you surprised that we seem to actually be flowing in the right seasons? I'm a little nervous. Um, <laughs> like it's actually cooler in the mornings. Um, I actually turned my heat on last night. Uh, and I'm like, huh, are we having normal seasons? Are are we are we regular now? Is that, is that what we're doing in Texas? Like after the <laughs> like winter storm, Texas is like, oh, okay, I know how to act now. Let me just get my yeah. stuff together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, can we just keep the the iciness to the icy months? Like as a January baby, I'm cool with it. You know, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm down with February being the we're coming out of it mode. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, not as severe as it was uh, last year. That was. Not a fun time. That was stressful, <laughs> was, but we got through it. Was, it. <laughs> we did. We did. I'm I'm uh, very fortunate because uh, I have gas, so that was pretty much the saving grace. We had uh, literally in this room, we had bundled everything up, and you know it was me and my partner and the dogs, um, and then we'd like run out to the kitchen and you know heat up some hot water and soup and all that kind of stuff, and then hurry up and run back. And by the time we get back, the bowl would already be cold, oh, and so no. we're just having to like just down it. Um, thankfully my partner stocks up on like broth and stuff like that. Um, so 
we just we just drank our meals for the week because it's like yeah trying to cook anything is just non-existent um so hopefully we've we've made some adjustments to that um because I don't want to do that again that was oh my god that was crazy (laughs) because like I am so bad at charging my pump I have the t-slim and so you have to charge it I'm so bad at doing that and I remember waking up and my pump was like on five percent and oh my gosh. I had no, like no power in my house at all. So we just sat in my truck for a little bit to let it charge back up. Um, yeah. and then we luckily, um, my boyfriend, his house was like completely fine. Like, cause I think he's by a school. And so mm-hmm. I think they had like the gen- generators going on for them. And so like they have power, electricity, water, they had everything, um, yeah. the only thing was like, we weren't stocked up on food. So we had a lot of gas station, like canned food, um, yeah. which was interesting, but I was glad we had like a place to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually had to get gas during that. Mm-hmm. And I looked up and there was actually like a couple of guys and I think they meant, well, I think for them it didn't work, but they were like, Hey, the card reader isn't working. Um, and I'm like, he was like, you, like, you're wasting your time. I'm like, well, I'm going to try it anyways. And I was able to fill up because of having to sit and charge. Um, and it was crazy. But, uh, you know, it kind of kind of advocates for living on the outskirts of Austin, like not being directly in the city because then you're not tied to the city of Austin. You can be tied to, like, like everyone in Pflugerville that I know of was fine. Um, I think they lost power uh, for a short period but not as long. Um, as we did I have a couple of friends in Pflugerville and then, uh, my friends in Cedar Park and Leander were fine. They're like, wow. uh, That's uh, <laughs> I really hate that you were going through this cause we're good. Um, so I know, uh, Texas, we like to be hella independent, but there, there are just some things where like, mm, we might want to rethink that federal grid thing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a politician. I don't understand environmental stuff. Um, yeah. But, you know, sitting through that for a week and a half is, um, that's a big motivator to be like, maybe we should get some help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Like you said, uh, I don't know anything about that. All I know is I don't want that happens again <laughs> and for right. that long. So whatever can fix that, let's fix it. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, I'm really excited to chat with you today. I know we've kind of um, been in each other's circles for a minute. So I'm really glad I'm able to actually sit down with you and talk about um, the nonprofit organization that you co-founded and are working for. Um, but before we kind of dive into that, I'd love for everybody to get to know you a little bit and understand your background, because uh, not only do you work uh, to support other people living with diabetes, but you live with it yourself. And so I'm always curious to hear people's backgrounds. So um, if you don't mind, introduce yourself and let us know where you're originally from and what your diagnosis story is. Yeah, definitely. So um, I am originally from Madisonville, Texas. It's a very, very small town, um, like right in between Dallas and Houston and right by College Station where A&M is at. And so I have been living with diabetes since I was seven years old. Um, I am about to celebrate my 20th anniversary in February. So that's coming up. But um, I was really blessed, honestly, that we just like had the resources fall into our lap almost um, to be able to help me like be as like successful, I guess, as I have been with diabetes throughout the years. Um, Like 
my diagnosis story was I, you know, had the very typical symptoms. Like I was seven and I, you know, was really thirsty a lot. I was just a little agitated more. Um, I was using the bathroom a lot. And I think my mom may have like complained to her coworker that like I was wetting the bed and like, I shouldn't be doing that anymore. Um, and the coworker was like, you should probably like go get her checked out because the coworker, her brother had type one diabetes. And so, you know, that just happened to fall into our lap to say like, oh, you should probably go get that checked out. And so um, got diagnosed. And then a year after I was diagnosed, my um, nurse introduced us to a diabetes camp that I grew up going to. So I was able to be introduced then into the diabetes community, like very early on, like since I was eight years old. And that was super helpful. Um, you know, I really believe like the community is the cure. And so to be able to be involved in that way before like social media was even a thing, like that was so helpful. Um, so I just knew that I wanted to work in the diabetes space um, ever since I was diagnosed, just because I was so involved in the community. But I didn't really like know what that meant, like what I would be doing. Um, all I really knew was like I could be a diabetes educator because that was all I really saw when I was first diagnosed. Um, I didn't really know much about like nonprofits and um, organizations that do diabetes work that aren't necessarily like a CDE. Um, and so I went on and um, got a degree in health studies and I played softball at my university, which was also amazing because my roommate, she has my roommate and teammate, she has type one diabetes as well. So I was able to go through that with someone. And then now I'm pursuing my master's in diabetes care and management. Um, so obviously like very passionate about diabetes education and, and the community and making sure everyone gets the support um, that they need. Yeah, that's really awesome. And uh, do they have adult diabetes camps? Because a lot of my type one friends that I talk to, I'm like, oh, y'all got to go to a camp. Like, I mean, I was diagnosed at 25, so I guess it would be a little yeah. awkward if I showed up. But even still, like to to know that there were you know things in place and still are things like that in mm -hmm. place, um, I think is really awesome and powerful and something that you know I hope is starting to be formulated for you know those like myself with either prediabetes or type two, um, mm -hmm. because it's so unintentionally segregated because of of you know society, and it's just like half of why I started the show was like, I don't see nobody else. So right. I guess I should talk about it. And, you know, my, um, my parents both have type two. Um, so we're looking at a whole genetic aspect and, you know, but they were way older, um, whenever. So I'm the youngest, you know, in terms of family that, that has been diagnosed. So I think that's really great. Um, and it kind of goes to show, cause you know, I'm always curious, you know, why people get involved in diabetes when it's what you live, right? <laughs> I never would have thought I'd be doing this podcast. I never would have thought I'd be working for a company, you know, that's catering to, uh, diabetes as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it just goes to show like when you have something that's just such a part of you, you know, it, it feels like an easy transition of like, actually, you know, let me understand this. Let me learn this and let me help other people. Um, I'm still learning about, you know, how impactful diabetes educators are, you know, in my current uh, role with 9am health. And 
it's insane how much I didn't know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, compared to when I talk with my type one friends. I was like, you've never seen an endocrinologist? I was like, should I do that? Uh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, okay, let me go, you know, and, and how oh, cool. so much. Know. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, like you said, the community really is a cure because had I never decided to get involved or spoken with anybody or seen like, you know, what type one management was like uh, for that unique individual, I never would have, I don't think I would never have a CGM right now. Cause I would right. still be with the manual and someone's like, what? And I'm like, I didn't know. I kept getting steel wall. Dexcom don't like me. I'm sorry. Like they don't, <laughs> you know, they won't <laughs> approve me. So I'm a, I'm a hangout with freestyle, you know? So it's just like, it's crazy how much information is there. Um, mm-hmm. And you kind of think of the, the old school village life of like, you just word of mouth. Um, but now with the age of the internet, it feels like, shouldn't we all know this by now? But it's, it's yeah. just so much. So um, I think it's cool that you, are actively pursuing, you know, continuing your education in it because somebody has to be able to mediate and be in the middle to speak both languages, if you will. So um, I think that's amazing. I want to talk about how diversity and diabetes got started. Now, you are not the only person uh, Mm -hmm. who supported this idea. You have um, another co-founder, if I'm not mistaken, and her name is Quisha, right? Yes, Quisha Yumemba. Yeah. So I would love to uh, learn about how you guys met, um, what sparked this idea and and birthed this nonprofit of something to uh, support, you know, different communities of color um, who are living with diabetes. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I, in my undergrad, was very heavily involved with the College Diabetes Network. Um, And so I had been trying to think of like more things I could get involved in the Austin area, um, because I knew after I graduated, like I wanted to be over here. And so I had got this email saying like you, they needed like ambassadors or people to table at one of the, um, like diabetes conferences that was going on in Austin. Um, CDM wanted to have a table, but they needed someone to do it. And so I was like, Oh, that's perfect. Like, you know, I want to get to Austin. I want to meet more people. So let me just go do that. Um, and so it was me. And then also Quisha Yumemba, she was recently new to the Austin area as well. And she wanted to get more involved in the diabetes like community space. Um, so she's an RN, CDCES, like she is very involved professionally in the diabetes space, but she wanted to get more involved community-wise. And so um, she became an ambassador for CDN as well. And then um, her and I got paired up to be at this table together, never met each other before. Um, And we just were talking and um, talking about like what we've noticed from like the diabetes space and how, um, you know, I think she went and walked around the different vendors and then came back and I heard her talking to someone else saying like, there's no one here that looks like me. Um, Quisha, she is black. And so she was just saying how like, there's not a lot of people here that look like me and there's not a lot of representation. And, um, you know, then that just sparked a conversation. And I think for the rest of like the two hours we were there, we talked about like that issue and like what we could do, like what needs to be done. And so she always likes to say that, like, we left that day and she would she was thinking, like, 
oh, this white girl, like she's not going to do anything. Like she's not going to hit me up. Like, you know, this was a good conversation, but like nothing is going to come about that. And um, it's funny because like on my drive home, I had like a four hour drive home and then I went straight to class. Um, I was like just thinking of like a summit that we could do um, and what that would look like and what that would look like in Austin because this was before COVID. And then, um, you know, we reconnected and the rest is history. Um, and we were able to have the first people of color living with diabetes virtual summit. And um, we really just wanted to bring together like social media influencers in the diabetes space and also subject matter experts um, to give um, diabetes like education and just talking about either diabetes burnout or mental health or community building um, more specifically for people of color. And we wanted to really emphasize that just because we really don't see a lot of people of color involved in summits and conferences. And so we really just wanted that space to be for this community. And so, um, you know, we had a lot of great feedback after the summit saying like, this was amazing. Like this was so needed. Like it was so great seeing people who looked like me, who, um, wear the same things that I wear and also, um, are going through diabetes burnout and going through different things with their diabetes journey. And we realized, okay, like I, we think that we really need to like establish something that can be the worker in this space. Um, just because at the time there was not a lot of organizations that was focusing on representation and inclusivity and making sure that everyone saw themselves in the diabetes space. And so, um, yeah, at the end of August of 2020, we host, well, the beginning of August, we hosted the summit. And at the end of it, we were already um, filing all of the paperwork we needed to do to create diversity and diabetes. And here we are now. <laughs> you know, it's awesome because um, August of 2020 was when I established the LLC and started mm -hmm. the show. Um, and then it was actually months later that I came across the recordings on YouTube of the summit. And wow. so I sat and I watched the entire summit and uh, Alicia O'Neill was one of your speakers and she was a guest on season three. Um, and so it's, it's just crazy. Like, and, and I want you to understand how much like that effort reached um, because I was just as geek, even though I couldn't, you know, have attended live. I was like, wait, 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 do they mean like, like people of color, like me, like, like, <laughs> What? <laughs> you know, and watching it and seeing it and experts, I'm like, oh, snap. Like, this is something that I, I remember hunting down. Like, where is y'all stuff? Oh. <laughs> I found your Instagram and everything. And I was like, I'm following this. I'm keeping track. Um, so when you guys, you know, kind of really made it official and, and, and rebranded a little bit, um, mm -hmm. I was so excited to see that y'all continued it because, um, you know, as I'm trying to build this show, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can I get um, innovative speakers and, and how can I be tuned in? Because I had never been that tuned into the community before. Um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to do something. I didn't know what it was. So like this whole idea sat for four years before I made it official. Right. Um, and so you guys were, were really inspiring of just like pooling together um, 
people that I could I could feel confident and like, okay, they, they kind of get what I'm what I'm going through a little bit. Right. Um, you know, and every journey is definitely unique, but it's something about seeing yourself. It's something about uh, being able to relate, especially when we're all locked indoors of like, okay, um, all I came across were type ones at the time. And I, I felt like I was imposing by, you know, I, I can't get involved with a type one, like either their parents or they've lived with it for so long. Like, who am I to, you know, even dare to ask like what their experience is? Because, um, from the world standpoint, I caused my diabetes, right? You know, being living with type two is, is the stigma of like, oh, it's a fat disease. Oh, if you would just have done these things, yeah. you know, you wouldn't be here. And I'm like, well, it runs on both sides of my family. Might actually be that I could have done everything right and still ended up here, you know? Exactly. And so um, without that knowledge, um, never would have known. So I, I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I love what you guys are even doing now, which kind of leads me to ask, like, what is the core goal or mission uh, when you guys put this together, definitely, you know, I love the the idea of the diversity, but um, I can only imagine when you're trying to someone, to, you know, <laughs> that has a company too, you're trying to figure out like, what, what do we stand for? What is it that we want people to know um, about us? I'd love to hear that from your perspective. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you've touched on, on it a bit, how from the world standpoint, like type one and type two are completely different. And like the other types of diabetes are completely different, but ultimately it's still diabetes. And um, I think that kind of answers a little like what our main mission is, is really just how to diversify diabetes in general and really bringing together our community because there's a lot of us, you know, there's a lot of type ones, there's a lot of type twos. And when you bring all of us together, there's a lot of us. And um, you know, I, I think whenever people say diversity, it seems like it's just skin color. But, you know, we're also talking about diversity in types and diversity in gender and um, sexual orientation and um, also age as well, because, you know, 65 and older patients and people with diabetes, they definitely need diabetes education as well. Um, so ultimately, We do have four pillars that we really try to focus on, which is increasing representation for the community um, and then also for diabetes educators. Um, There's a lot of diabetes educators who are people of color who are trying to get the hours to sit for the exam. um, And that's so difficult. So we really want to be able to help them find uh, ways to do that. And then also increase utilization of technology. Um, Like you said, like without the community, like you wouldn't even know about a CGM. And that's such a huge issue because A1C is is a very old school tool. And, you know, time and range is really the way that people are going to be able to individualize their care and their daily routine. And you can't do that without technology. And so then also just uh, increased representation and like the utilization of different diabetes um, self-management skills. Um, You know, I feel like a lot of endos and doctors may just know the very typical lose weight, you know, exercise and eat well. But like you said, it really played an effect on your genetics. And that's the same thing for a lot of people with type two. And I mean, other uh, types of diabetes as well. So We really just want to take the knowledge of 
like diabetes that we have and get it to everyone because everyone really needs this to be able to thrive with diabetes. Yeah, no, that, that is, um, honestly really true because you know especially when you touched on the endo part like my endo was nice but that's the first thing that he said to me even when I gave him the whole rundown of like hey I've been with you know working with my primary for five years here's what I've been doing here are my pitfalls I just got this CGM so I need you to write that script because it was a sample uh, you know and and like I feel like I, I'm I'm on the the uptrend of actually getting a real handle on on my my diabetes and I still got hey well I think you know BMI which I have such a bone to pick with the whole BMI thing yes. uh, but you know like hey if we get you down 40 pounds and we start you with this medication treatment which I will say did help I won't knock the medications that he prescribed but right. you know cardio four to five times a week I want you to download a carb counter app I was like I, I did all of that I'm not doing no no more carb counter apps, like miss me with it. <laughs> um, but, and I don't like cardio. Uh, now I will say I've had my first interaction with a Peloton that might change my tune. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, to, to be told, just drop the 40 pounds, your diabetes might actually go away. I, I have full confidence that it'll go away. Um, but if you, you know, gain the weight back and if you fall out of your habits, you know, it'll come back even worse. And I felt like I was right back in high school except for now I'm being told I'm medically too fat, right? And so I I went and sat in my car and I cried. I was like, I am 31 years old, crying like I'm 15 again <laughs> because oh. I just got told in a nice way, I'm still too fat. And I'm like, I think I look good. Like, what? You know, so it was such a crazy experience. And it's just like, he's so nice. I, I literally looked at every review because I typically like to go for female doctors because there's other aspects that I feel like you know, a female doctor would get, yeah. but I took a chance and I'm like, dang. So there, there was even that perspective of like, you just said this to a woman. Wow. Do you know how many beauty standards we're up against? Not to say the men aren't, but like, eh, you know, it's it's different. Like, you don't say that. Yeah. yeah. Now I, I did politely uh, give him the business, the second uh, appointment, like, I, I understand that weight plays a factor. I'm not knocking that. Um, that's not a thing. I said, but can we talk about like body fat percentage and how that might affect that? I, I would uh, accept that a lot better um, because, you know, I'm not meant to be small. Um, I know that. Like I, I've just, I've had this body for quite some time, dog. I, I don't think me being 130 pounds is ever in my stars. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm muscular. You know, I've been curvy. I played soccer and volleyball. Like that's always been my build. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's a matter of, okay, 40 pounds is the answer, but it might be, you know, let's tack down the body fat percentage. You know, right. I, I can totally understand how increased body fat can cause more uh, insulin resistance. That makes sense. Let's yeah. talk about that, <laughs> you know? And so um, I appreciate that you guys are are trying to fill that gap of education for anybody, honestly, um, because it's so, you never think about like how often are our medical professionals staying up to date on trainings, you know, exactly. especially in these clinics, are they are they doing that or are they so busy seeing people every 20 minutes that they can't even actually be um, up to date on the latest technology or the latest, you know, advances, things like that. So um, which kind of leads me to my next question. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, because uh, you kind of touched on a lot of the challenges that are faced within the community. Um, but like, how do we start to change the narrative on 
how diabetes is seen in the world, especially for communities of color, which, you know, statistically were hit the hardest. Um, And I think that's something that, you know, we, um, at least for me, I feel gets glazed over a lot. And and especially when we talk about uh, the disparities in medical fields in general of how someone might get more treatment over someone else. And, you know, with something so complex as diabetes, it really does feel like there's almost extra effort that we have yeah. to put in to ensure that the narratives around, um, you know, just even just the body stigma and as well as the cultural stigma um, gets cleared up. So how do you guys go about tackling that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's hard. I mean, it's so difficult to change this narrative that has been in place for so long because there is such a huge stigma on diabetes and there's a lot of educate not educators but endos and or just like general practitioners who may have only covered diabetes like one chapter in their whole program and you know it's very easy for them to learn like oh diabetes is simple because you just do this this and this and then you get rid of it and so because that was their foundational teaching it's really hard for them to even know and understand that there are technology and there are up-to-date medication and up-to-date um, like self-management skills that really help make the individual person with diabetes be successful. And I always tell our participants in our program, we're not textbooks. Like diabetes is not a textbook disease. We are very much individualized. And I think once we start changing the narrative, the way that we can do that is just being outspoken, which I know is so hard to do because I mean, yeah, like you said, like there's a stigma on diabetes and then there's a stigma on people of color living with diabetes and then just the cultural standpoint and everything else that goes into it. But if we can just educate these doctors a little bit more on what actually goes into our daily lives of living with diabetes, then I think eventually they should catch on. Um, but it's hard. It definitely is hard. And I think we all need to be together and on the same page to do that. Um, there's so much division when you really look at it in our diabetes community, um, with type one, type two, with, um, People just wanting to feel like their journey is hard and harder than someone else because like this is hard. Like living with diabetes is difficult sometimes. I go through diabetes burnout all the time. And um, but I think once we come together as a community and understand that, like we all individually have our own hard, um, but we're all still living with diabetes. If we can all be advocates for each other, then that may hopefully change the narrative. Um, but there's a lot of work to do for sure. Yeah. I think you touched on something really valuable is, um, you know, uh, the comparison game. We've been conditioned so hard to compare ourselves and, you know, this just innate nature and even, you know, outside of diabetes, we've seen it over the past year of like, I need to, to also share about how hard things are for me. And, you know, it's kind of that thought process of, when did we get away, uh, which is why I, I love uh, philosophy, like old school philosophers, because I feel like they just had this artful way of like, you can feel how you feel. You can have your opinion, 
that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. And that doesn't mean that I need to walk away from this conversation mm-hmm. convinced or uh, on your side about this thing. And I feel like we're kind of going back through that shift of like, when did we get to a point where we thought that we had to be just like everybody else? Like if you are not thinking and doing and having the same problems that we can't have a dialogue anymore. Um, And that's something in the comparison game that really creeps up is um, I'm not knocking your heart at all, Mm -hmm. at at all. It's just, you know, um, I too want to share my story. I don't want to make it be, you know, any, any worse or less. Like we just get into this weird, crazy, almost creepy, like, well, let me just tell you how bad it is for me, you know, yeah. and we've seen it in so many different examples. And it's like, I'm not taking away from what you're going through. Um, but there are certain moments where, you know, you might get a better setup than me. Uh, and that's a problem. And I, and if it's a problem for me, it's a problem for everybody, because at some point you too may come up with something like this and you're going to want somebody to ensure that you're getting fair treatment too. And I think yeah. that's the um fine line that we're having to navigate is how do we respect the experiences of somebody but not put a value on it that mm-hmm. it's better or worse than someone else's. Um, and so, yeah, it, it definitely, I think, requires us to set aside the idea that it's a competition. Yeah. Um, uh, what show was I watching the other day where, where uh, Queens, that new show Queens came out, right, with, with oh, Eve okay. and Brandy and, and 3LW and all that. And, and the girl that plays Brandy's daughter is trying to get into – this um, performing arts school, if you will, through piano. Mm-hmm. And she said something like the definition of competition is comparison as her mom is trying to tell her like, hey, don't compare yourselves to that. And it's like, yeah, I feel that. So what what are the appropriate places to put competition? And mm-hmm. I think, you know, in our community with diabetes, that's not the place. It's not right. a competition. We all agree if we could, if we could let it go tomorrow, we would, <laughs> you know, yeah, I think yeah. we can all be on the same playing <laughs> I, field of, I don't want type two, you don't want type, none of us want this. So let's, exactly. let's use that common ground and, and go somewhere because, um, this isn't the the place for competition. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, yeah, we've got a lot, uh, to do and we have to, um, especially when the, when the cancel culture, we, we've got some issues with that there. I'll leave that for another episode. Uh, but like, my thing is who's going to be in the middle Mm-hmm. to have the conversations between the two because both sides sometimes just keep shrieking at each other of like what they want. But I'm like, okay, but who's going to take the steps to make that happen? And why does it have to be, you know, a, a complete take all from one side or the other? And that's where I think um, we have to really dig deeper and have more thoughtful conversations about it. Um, so I'm I'm thinking about this and I'm like, you know, what ways can we reduce you know, the, these social and economic disparities and, you know, really make diabetes prevention. Um, and I, I don't even like saying prevention because, you know, it, it there's so many variables reducing that go in it, but it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Reducing yeah, risk, but, <laughs> you know, and, I'm and so care management this language movement and the diabetes Me too. healthcare space. And so, yeah, reducing risk is a good one instead of prevention. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I will take that back because even um, my time with the uh, 9am Health so far, I've pretty much dropped uh, the word diabetic. Um, and when I saw the language, I was like, yeah, yeah, actually, that does feel uh, a lot more comfortable. No shade to anybody who still uses. I mean, I know a lot of people have handles with it in there. And it's just like, ah, who wants yeah. to sit here and undo their entire handle? But um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, 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 dance around the whole um, when people say I reversed. Um, I actually like the in remission piece for myself because, you know, it's never, 
um, in my opinion, it's always a part of you and you're always going to kind of operate it with, with that in the back of your mind, especially someone like myself, a type two, where you do see people come off medications and, and things like that, but it does not mean that they're not tracking, that they're not paying attention because, you know, unless you wanted to back on meds, you have to be careful. Not that medication is bad. That's a whole nother tune I had to change of like, I'm not going to be angry at medication. I see it as training wheels. Training wheels weren't bad when we were learning how to ride bikes. It was helping us learn. I'm helping yeah. my body relearn, you know? So anyways, so I'm, I'm just curious as like, you know, what are ways that, that we can reduce that impact of, you know, being able to make sure that things are socially fair, economically fair, and provide avenues where we can reduce that risk and increase the type of care management that people are receiving. Um, again, especially for communities of color, you know, I, I, when I showed my dad my CGM, he's like, oh man, I think, I wish I had something like that for your grandmother because my partner is attached to my app. Um, so if we live separately, so if my thing goes off, sometimes I'll get texts from him. You okay? Do you need something? You know? And so things like that, that I'm like, I never even thought about until I was like, oh yeah. What if I did go super low in the middle of the night? Uh, I don't know. What do I do? (laughs) You know? So I'm I'm curious what you, (laughs) yeah, I was so happy when they released that app because I was like, thank God. That was the new version, right? Like that, that's yeah. for freestyle. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. So great, so great. So anyways, I, I wanted to pick your brain on on how do we, you know, close those social economic gaps and, and increase uh, providing, you know, um, reducing risk and care management and things like that. Yeah, so I think if we can really get, I don't want to say the root cause because there's a lot of things like, play into a factor. But I think if we can really get to the healthcare professionals um, and kind of re-educate and and give them this idea that, you know, it is helpful for people of type two to have these tools as well. Um, And it is helpful that like if we can give this to people or try our best to get the resources because we know these supplies are super expensive, but if we can try our best to get the supplies to people who, um, you know, may not be able to afford it, then they're going to just do so much better anyways, because they, you know, may not go to the hospital as much, which an hospital visit is so much more expensive than a CGM. Um, you know, so might as well pay for something that's preventing than, than the most expensive thing. And there's something that Quisha, my co-founder, always says is um, refer always, period. Like just always refer no matter what. I feel like healthcare may just have this blinders on sometimes where they may see um, a Hispanic woman who has type 2 and they may just think, oh, well, she's not going to change her diet and then just not refer at all. Like that, that is such a huge barrier. There are so many healthcare providers who just don't refer because they're putting this predisposition on this person um, without even giving them a chance. And so I think to really like help reduce the gap is we hit it where it's at, which is healthcare and the people who are in charge of referring and the people who are in charge of writing these prescriptions and in charge of giving the education of what's available. Because 
there's not a lot of people in the diabetes space who has access to the community. You know, I always say I'm so, so blessed and lucky that like I have always been involved in the community because if I would have been diagnosed like at an older age, that I don't know if I would have found like the diabetes community and I wouldn't know about control IQ or Dexcom or, um, you know, taking a walk after eating a high carb meal is like helpful for me. Like I wouldn't know these little tips and tricks I've learned. And so I think that it's really hard for us to bring the community to the like huge amount of people that have diabetes. So if we can really like get to the person who's always going to have contact with the person with diabetes, which is the healthcare professional, then we're going to be able to really get the tools to everyone who needs it. That that's I was like, dang, you ran into my next question because I'm <laughs> I always want to know like how how doctors and and companies like what they can do to make those experiences better. Um, and I include companies because you know at the end of the day, everybody wants to bring up big pharma. Everybody wants to bring up oh you know uh, uh, for my conspiracy, it's like oh. Big Pharma is not going to let us come up with a cure, you know, especially yeah. in, in the news recently about a lot of the clinical trials that are going for type one and things like that. Like, you know, there's a lot of pushback and thinking that we're the originators of like creating insulin and all these other different therapies were meant to be to help people and not make a profit. Um, that suddenly that means that it's the responsibility of those companies to to carry that weight um, and they don't think about the person, which I agree to some extent um, because you do have to have money in order to run operations. Like I think that's one thing people forget, but at the same time, what can they do better to make it, you know, to bring it to people who really need it without, you know, causing all of the the political nonsense that comes out of it of, oh, well, now we have these issues with sending letters and trying to get price caps and all of these things. Um, and so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, is, is we have to start with the folks that are constantly going to be in contact with them. And, you know, when you said earlier about doctors and other medical professionals only get like an hour of diabetes training, it made me think of a documentary I watched uh, on the nutrition side of things. Mm -hmm. And it was a private practice doctor who uses food as medicine. And he was like, yeah, they only give us like, 24 hours and the seven years that we spend uh, on nutrition. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if not all of you are trying to be surgeons, because that's where I kind of get it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, why? Why wouldn't you, you know, uh, understand or learn or, or try to uh, gain perspective on things that, you know, can uh, have better chances um, of reducing that risk if we are talking about lifestyle, if we are talking about food? When you even mentioned, you know, a Hispanic woman coming in, um, I think about, you know, my mom and my uh, side of the family, like my Asian side, like telling them they can't have sticky rice, telling them they can't eat, you know, the stuff that they grew up, their cultural foods. Um, right. That ain't it. You know, no. there has to be a way to be able to incorporate what they know and understand and will be more willing to adjust to um, than mm -hmm. to completely take it away and say, hey, here, eat this American diet, basically, um, exactly. which ain't that great anyways. <laughs> so I know. Um, yeah, because with them only having that hour, you know, lecture, like that one semester of nutrition, like they're only learning the typical my plate, like they don't have enough time to learn about like the different cultures um, 
food and, and stuff like that to really help individualize a lot of people in America. Like there's a lot of people who don't eat like this standard like broccoli, chicken, rice, like you know what I mean? So that is another huge thing that could be worked on too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had some Filipino food the other day and it was good. Yes. And uh, I didn't spike. Like I, I limited the rice, but I had a bunch of great veggies and chicken adobo was bomb. <laughs> you know, like, like <laughs> it's just stuff like that where it's just like, man, um, I don't want to feel like I can't enjoy things um, because it's it's. I feel like it's been proven time and time again. And I feel like the diet culture in general has shown this. The minute you say you can't have is the minute that I want it the most. Exactly. Um, and, and when I can have it I'm binging because it's like I'm never gonna get to have this again you know and so there has to be um we have to meet in the middle we have to be able to share what our lifestyle and cultural experiences are and they should be able to take that and formulate that in a way that um fits what we need um and I feel like we we progress a lot further um So I want to kind of dive into, you know, how you guys are providing support. I know that you guys do um, a number of things to start to meet and close these gaps. So I would love for you to share, you know, what offerings that you guys have to support, whether it's communities, companies, medical professionals on how they can obtain this knowledge um, and start to implement, uh, you know, some of these actions. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, with 2022 coming up, we are like super heavily uh, in our strategic planning right now and trying to figure out like what we're bringing next year. But um, we are wrapping up our virtual diabetes education programs that we started this year. And we do know we are going to continue those. And so that is a 12 week virtual program where we, um, have a group setting and we go through a curriculum that really helps like have a conversation um, about diabetes and throughout different topics. So uh, one week can be about eating, the next about like um, reducing risk, the next one about just basic diabetes like knowledge. And with it being a group setting, it's so nice because we have our facilitators who are able to give like the base education, but then we have the group who's able to bounce off like ideas and, um, you know, help other people. We have had someone who has type two diabetes, but they're also on the loop system. And so they were able to really tell their group members, like, you know, I learned how to self-advocate for myself and that's how I have the tools that I have. And that's why my blood sugars are what they are. And so that the program is like one of my favorite things we have going on because it's so awesome just connecting with the community and also connecting with people who haven't been involved in the community. I think that's one of my favorite things is like really introducing people to the diabetes space and introducing them to, you know, you're not alone. And there are things that are like helpful to diabetes management. Um, so we have that. And then also we'll be doing the virtual um, people of color living with diabetes summit again next year. Um, And I'm excited for that as well. Um, Last year or this past September was amazing. And um, we had my favorite component that we had of it was we had our subject matter experts, but then we had our community group um, sessions where we just had 
you know, only people living with diabetes talking about different things. And we had people who had LADA, type one, type two, um, you know, who had diabetes while they were pregnant. Um, and so just everyone coming together and, and sharing their experience on um, different topics. That that was really great. Um, and that's really what we have going on right now. And we do have things coming up in 2022 um, that we will be announcing, um, but I won't spoil anything right now. <laughs> Don't worry, no insights. I, know, okay. I, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll be patient, I'll wait. <laughs> but I think it's it's great what you guys offer. And I've, I've seen the post about, you know, the virtual education. And I know you guys even do consulting and stuff like that. And I think that um, it's great to see you guys walk the talk. And again, from that first summit, um, you know, I just knew I was like, okay, this is something really cool. And this is something that uh, is going to change things. And um, I didn't get to uh, fully immerse myself in this year's um, uh, setup because it was right when I joined Health. Oh, yeah. uh, but I already told them like, uh, we need to be involved next year. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's great that you guys offer that. And uh, I cannot wait to see what else you guys have coming um, and the continuation of stuff that you're already doing. Um, so before I, you know, let you go, cause I know you're a busy lady and you got a lot of people to help out. Um, I would love to know, like, what is the number one thing that people can do to, you know, grow and support and promote diversity and inclusion in diabetes, whether they have it or, or they don't, um, whether they work in diabetes, cause I definitely didn't think I was going to be working in it, but you know, whether they do or they don't, um, what is something that you would share to everyone of how they can support, you know, this movement? Yeah, I would definitely say first and foremost, don't ever devalue someone's experience, especially if they open up to you. Um, I think that, and you mentioned that before, that is such a huge thing where people's experiences aren't just being valued and everyone is like, has a right to their experience and to their, um, journey through diabetes and through life. And so I think one of the biggest thing that you can do to support, um, you know, just people in the community in general is just to, listen to their experience and say, I hear you. I see you. I understand that that is so difficult. And, um, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. I think that's one of the hugest things that can really help bring us together is just valuing one another's experience with diabetes and with life in general. Yeah, I love it. Um, it boils down to we're all human. We all have our moments. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we just want to be heard. We just want to know that somebody acknowledges um, that our human experience uh, is just as valuable as someone else's. So I, I love that. I love that. Um, Casey, where can people find diversity and diabetes? How can they connect with you if they want to support, get involved? Uh, Pete, the shop, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm, I'm going to... I got to get one of those hoodies. Uh, I love hoodies. Yes. You couldn't tell. <laughs> so I got to so get my hands awesome. on one of those so hoodies. Awesome. Oh, that's the best. Right now, so definitely go get it. <laughs> yes, yes. So aside from the shop and other things, how can people connect with you guys further um, if they want to support what you all are doing? Yeah, definitely. So we're on multiple social media, but we primarily do a lot of things on Instagram. Uh, we're at diversity and diabetes. Um, and then also our website, we have that, which is where you can find our YouTube page where, you know, if you weren't able to attend any of the summits, you can catch all the sessions there, even the um, sessions from this year as well. So you can, can 
catch all of those sessions on YouTube. And um, we have a Facebook page. Um, just look us up at Diversity and Diabetes and you should be able to join there. That's awesome. And I will make sure all of that is linked in the show notes so you guys can follow and really get involved. Um, Casey, thank you so much uh, for stopping by and sharing, you know, your thoughts um, as well as what you guys are doing. This has been uh, such a cool experience. And so uh, please don't be shy. Uh, I would love to have you guys back again and hopefully we can get Quisha next time. I'd love to chat with her as well. Um, But until then, I guess I will catch you guys on the interwebs and, uh, you know, see what comes out from the future. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a good conversation. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Man, that was a great conversation. I cannot, um, I just, I just cannot get over the amazing people that are out here doing so many cool things for the diabetic community. Excuse me, people living with diabetes, the diabetes community. I'm trying to adjust my language, <laughs> but you know, um, it's it's companies and nonprofits like Diversity and Diabetes that really gives me such energy to be able to push forward and to even realize that what I'm doing um, is putting us on the map and is helping us and ensuring that there's quality education going on out there because there's a lot of noise. Um, but the main thing that we can do, and I think I love what Casey said, is just recognize that everybody is a human. And that nobody's experience is better or worse than the other. And to be able to meet people where they're at um, and be empathetic to that. And so I really just love that conversation and the idea of how we can close the gap of the different disparities going on in the community, not only from a diabetes perspective, but for communities of color in general. And part of this is ensuring that, you know, we're healthy and ensuring that we have access to information to understand what's going on with our bodies. And if we do come into a situation where we're diagnosed, that we are armed and empowered with the right information on how to move forward. So I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Please make sure that you click the links in the show notes to follow and definitely for sure check out the YouTube videos with the summit. I know I'm going to play catch up for this past year's summit, but it all started when I watched it last year. So please know that you're going to get some great solid information. And of course, make sure that you are following the show. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on you know, uh, YouTube-ish, <laughs> I'm on Facebook, um, you know, make sure that you let me know what you want to hear if you have questions or just want to make a comment. Um, I love to hear from y'all and understand how I can make the show more uh, engaging for you because as much as I like to hear myself talk, I like someone to be able to talk to. So also check us out on all of your favorite streaming platforms, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, all of that. And, you know, remember, if you are in the review sections of any of those uh, platforms, especially like Apple Podcasts or whatever, don't just think of the review as a space to just say, yeah, I love the show. I mean, I hope you love the show, but send me some feedback. Let me know if there's anything that you feel that you want to hear or that can be improved or I'm always open to guest recommendations. Um, If you're not on Apple Podcasts, I get it. You know, it'd be weird. Uh, I don't care about the whole team Android, team Apple, whatever. I'm just team does the phone work. (laughs) And you can also head over to Podchaser uh, and they have an opportunity for you to be able to leave a review on your favorite podcast like this one and be able to share some feedback there as well. And let me know what you think of the show. So I don't know about you guys, but I am quite excited for, you know, the holidays and everything coming up. Um, it's going to get really, 
really fun. And I hope you guys are all uh, enjoying yourselves. I hope you guys are all making sure that you eat all the yummy foods. Don't feel guilty about it. Um, but in the meantime, let's show some support for one another and ensure that we are taking care of each other, that we are empathetic to everyone's causes and that uh, we're, you know, living our best lives. You are the person first, not your diabetes. And that is something that I'm going to be leaning into quite heavily um, as we come to a close with the season and going into season five. Um, I'm really excited about all of the different things that I'm going to be bringing to y'all. So I hope you are too. But until then, Tuesdays, Thursdays, we are getting close to the season finale. Don't be sad. I'll be back. Um, but yeah, I am so grateful to all of you. Um, I would not be a award-winning podcaster <laughs> if it wasn't for you guys. So if you are listening, no matter where you are, no matter what time this is, please know that you are appreciated, you are valued, and everything that you do, um, I hope it is filled with enough love, magic, um, and everything to bring you joy and light in your life. And, you know, good food, good blood sugars all the way around. So I'll catch you guys next time. Peace.